Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, good morning, you guys. Thanks, Bucky. Thanks for those uh, prayers, and thanks for joining us. We are in this series called Practicing the Presence, a sweet play on words there. It's not presence like maybe typically wrapped under the tree, but it's the access to God. It's the actual access to and with God, accessing His grace and walking in His kingdom. These gifts over eight-part series, which is going to far transcend December, are all about entry into those things more. So if you feel like maybe God hasn't been so evident, so available in your life, this series is for you. If you feel like this last year has been an unforgiving season of judgment, criticism, and warring, then this series is for you because it's God's grace, which is the opposite of unforgiveness. And if you've ever wondered, man, why did Jesus talk so much about the kingdom of God? What's this kingdom concept he was all about? Opening these gifts is a way to walk in his kingdom, experience new life in his kingdom, his actual administration, if you want to use the presidential term. These gifts that we open every single week during this season will help you to do that more. And yes, gifts is interchangeable with the idea of spiritual practices or disciplines, but I don't know about you, when you hear the word disciplines, isn't it kind of like, ugh, even practices, ugh, gross. And so we've said gift, but not just because it sounds better. It's because it's true. It's supposed to be a means of grace. Something that's freely given and blesses you. Not something that's empty religion or empty just hard doing and, and hard work. And there's so many of these practices that we couldn't cover, you know? It's like 20 plus. I bet there's several you've never heard of. For example, the ancient and proven practice of mustache growing. Anyone heard of that? Yeah, yeah, thank you so much, Andy. I appreciate that. Um, is it uh, a spiritual practice that all can ascend to? No, no. Um, is it reserved for a few that are truly spiritual? Yes, yes, it's true. It's not true at all. That's fake. But there are some other lesser-known spiritual practices, i.e. gifts, that I bet you never heard of. Like, how about simplicity? This is a practice that can help you access God more. You know, when you just call all the extra junk and clutter in your house, when you let go of your finances, when you cook more simply, how do you feel? Yeah, there's a biological, there's even a physical response of the way you feel different. And you can practice this in several areas of your life. Simplicity, cut out the clutter, make your life more simple, access God, his grace, his kingdom. How about this one? There's a leader at the church. He had the opportunity to go to a spiritual retreat in Montana. And he came back all hyped to tell me all about it. And he had this binder from his experience. And on the piece of paper were like these 20 plus spiritual practices, these disciplines, these gifts. And one of them was secrecy. Just jumped out at me. Never would I have imagined. Secrecy? Really? And then I started thinking, yeah, there's there's some people that I wish would maybe close their mouths more, more often. You ever felt that way? Come on, let's laugh. That's true. Like, that's a great discipline to just close our mouths and maybe not share that extra tidbit of information about that person or that place or that thing. And and, and by the way, well, Ben, that's just, you know, that's just your run-of-the-mill gossip message. No, no, no. What happens if we reserved our speech 
And we, we actually put a, you know, kind of an inhibition on our speech and our mouths and our hearts. Well, maybe God would show up in those spaces when we reserved ourselves more. The list goes on and on and on. And there's another one today, you guys, that it was lesser known to me, but it is just as true as reading the Bible, scripture memorization, prayer, and it's waiting, waiting on the Lord as a gift. And it's a gift. It's not just a work that we do to earn access to God. Is a gift earned? You guys ever earned a gift? No, at Christmas time, it's freely given. It's extended. It's filled with grace. All, all we do have to do is, is we have to open it, though. And there's a way to open the gift of waiting as well. God is doing his most exceptional work sometimes, you guys, in waiting seasons. But we hate it. The in-between, the messy middle not knowing, having to sit there and wait. It's so messy. It's so uncomfortable. And our culture today, just the speed of our lives today, it's so fast, right? Why would you wait for anything? It's instant culture. And so whenever we hear this idea of waiting, and this is the, I set this up, I frame this, you guys, because that's how much ground we have to cover today. I'm not saying we're all going to practice it perfectly overnight, but I just want to get us from a place of awareness where we're at today in terms of waiting, that it's despised, scorned, should be glossed over as quickly as possible to one step closer to, wait a second. I could just mic drop right now. I just practiced two spiritual disciplines in one. Secrecy, closing my mouth. And waiting. So do you guys, should we just go home? Should we just go home? Was that enough? You guys are done? No. So this is a gift, freely received, freely opened, but the culture doesn't feel that way. We don't feel that way. Who am I preaching to this morning? I'm preaching to myself. I don't want to wait. It's painful. I want to get there as fast as possible. And yet God wants to do his most interesting work in the waiting. Can I get it even an internal amen? Just the early buy-in. Give me a little early buy-in. He's going to do some of his most interesting work to strengthen us, to transform us, to offer his grace, his kingdom, and access to his presence more than ever if we can wait. And, and did the people of the Bible know how to wait? Well, whether they knew how to or not, I don't know, but they had to do it. The people of God, God's chosen people, the Israelites, constantly, you know, they're waiting in Egypt in captivity for a savior, for God to rescue them. They get out of captivity and then they rush, they hurry into their huge escape plan where? Into the desert where they're going to wander around and wait evermore. And then finally they get out of the desert and where do they go after their final promised land? They get to the promised land. They enjoy that for a minute before what? They disobey God. They're completely faithless, destructive. They choose other gods and God says, okay, I'm going to go put you in a home away from home called captivity. Now they're waiting in captivity, waiting, waiting, waiting. Fast forward closer to the time of Jesus, closer to the time of our reading this morning, which is going to be in Luke 1. You can get that out right now. Get your Bible app ready. Get your print Bibles ready. We're going to be in Luke 1. But the Jews, ahead of the time of Jesus, they had this intertestamental period, right? But between the Old Testament and the New Testament, hundreds of years. No, no highly prophetic person speaking and proclaiming what's going to happen next, silence. Another great gift, another great spiritual practice. They're waiting on the Savior of the world, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. They're waiting and waiting and waiting. 
Is it much different for us today, you guys? Waiting for the vaccine that will fix everything, won't it? <laughs> waiting for COVID to end. That's a real thing we're waiting for. Waiting for our jobs to go back to normal. Waiting for that paycheck or that Christmas bonus. Waiting for that relationship. Waiting for that conversation. We're waiting and waiting and waiting. Waiting for that person to wake up. Waiting for, how about this, parents? Parents of young kids all the way in the back and wherever you are this morning. Parents of teenagers waiting for the next developmental stage. How many of us have prayed that? Well, man, just as soon as they're out of the terrible twos, then there'll be three, which is worse than two. Waiting, 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 waiting on the Lord. And he's doing some of his most interesting work. If we'll let him, if we'll open that gift. Today, I want to look at two responses. We have two options, at least two, probably more. When God asks us to wait, we have at least two options that are represented in Zechariah's response and Mary's response found in Luke chapter 1. We have two very stark, very different, very real responses that we've both tried here and now today. And first, we're going to start with Zechariah, who I'm going to call Zech from here on out. Everyone say Zech. Everyone say, don't say Zach. You can just say Zech with an E. Say Zech. Yeah, because Zechariah was just, if I say it that many times in a row, it's, I'm going to be tired. And so Zechariah got shortened to Zech. And so you'll join me in that, in that uh, um, shortening. Okay, congratulations, Zech. Who is one heck of a famous father to a famous man, John the Baptist. And Zechariah is doing his priestly duties in his advanced in age years. When the Bible says advanced in age, it means 60 to 70 years old, him and his wife Elizabeth. And he's serving on his shift as a priest. Zechariah and Elizabeth come from a priestly line. They come from the line of Aaron. That's a very special heritage. It's a very special family to be from. It means they're, they're kind of picked as priests. And Zechariah is on his shift, which he would have been tapped to do once a year for two weeks. And not only that, he gets picked amongst the group, group of priests in that time. They draw straws. Who gets the shortest straw gets to go into the inner place in the sanctuary, the tabernacle, the holy, holy, holy place. It's a once-in-a-lifetime job. It's his one chance to go and meet with the Lord. And meet with the Lord he does in a rather serious way. But more things you should know about Zechariah and uh, that is Zech and his wife Elizabeth. They were blameless, the scripture says. They were upstanding, they were righteous, and they were also barren. They couldn't have kids. Who knows about waiting? Remember, I said they're 60 to 70 years old. And in that Jewish time, in that age, in the first century, to not have kids would have been the shame of the neighborhood. They would have been scorned and embarrassed everywhere they went. Just when you think you've arrived, right? You, you 60 plus year olds in the crowd, just when you think, man, I finally earned respect just by my age, right? I get automatic respect. And they're barren. Nothing they can do can save them from that scorn, that shame, that humiliation of not having a child. Because that's just what it was in those times. To have a child would have been like God's favor, God's smiling on you, that he's, that he's continued your line. And so by deduction, the thought was not that God said this or did this, but people did it because that's what people do, right? Oh, you don't have kids? You might be righteous, Zech. You might be working in the temple today, but you'll never be a complete man. You'll never be a, a, a proper God follower because you don't have a kid. 60, 70 long years, no kids. Who knows about waiting? Zach and Elizabeth know about waiting, don't they? 
They know about waiting. So maybe that explains his response. This is response number one. This is the response that all of us face when God says, wait. Zechariah is approached by Gabriel, one heck of a famous angel. And this is what he says in verse 18. Follow along. Luke 1, verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, after the the angel told him, you're going to have John the Baptist. He's going to be a forerunner. This is extra. Sorry, I forgot. He's going to be a forerunner for the Messiah. He's going to be the great announcer of the Messiah. He gets to pave the road of the Messiah. What an incredible job. What a huge job. Such a big job that that, uh, Zech can't believe it. Here's what he says to the angel. How can I be sure of this? Sounds familiar. For I'm an old man and my wife is old as well. That's not very nice. The angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. Hello. In my normal job, I stand in the presence of God hour over hour. I minister to the Most High God normally, but I've been sent down here. I've condescended to be with you. I'm sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And now, because your first response was how, because you did not believe my words, which would be fulfilled in their time, you'll have to wait, you're going to be silent, unable to speak until the day these things take place. So Zech is struck with a little temporary case of muteness. It's awkward. It's going to be awkward during the holidays. Zech's response can be summed up in one line. How will I know? How will I know? When God comes to you and he asks you to wait, have you ever responded that same way? But, but, but how, God? How are you going to do it? Oh, but what, Lord? What exactly? Can you spell it out for me? What's the strategy? But, 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 but why, Jesus? Why would you strike me with this season? In this circumstance, why? As if we could ever know the really heart and mind of God. See, I think Zech's question here just represents all of our same question, which is man's quest for knowledge. Do you know what I'm, do you know, you know what, kind of what I mean, what I'm getting at here? We just want to know the answer. We got to know all the information. And honestly, man, I, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and blame Google. I'm going to blame Google on this one. Yeah. I'm going to blame the internet. The other day I was driving around. I just had this passing thought in my head after watching a uh, nearly 80-year-old man work in his office. And he had, you know, just a telephone. He had a few pieces of paper. And as the rest of the day went on, I was thinking, man, just think about that. Certain people and generations, they, they don't know how to work a smartphone. Maybe never even got one. They don't know how to type. They, never, they weren't taught and, you know, they weren't brought up typing on a modern computer. And they definitely don't know how to navigate Google. I just thought, man, that must be kind of isolating. It must be kind of, I would feel so alone if I couldn't have instant access to knowledge for my work day, for my life, for when I'm driving around, when I'm trying to find my way. And yet the rest of us, kids, and yeah, I'm talking to you whether you're 60 or you're 16 here today, we just fly around this planet all day long thinking that we're little gods because we have the information of the universe at our fingertips. What do we do when we want to know what's that thing, you know, what's that, like, rash. (laughs) Google knows. What's going on with my kid? Well, Google knows. How do do I find what I want in life? Google surely can answer that question, right? Maybe not, about 10% of the time or less. Where am I going? Well, it gets that one, 10 out of 10. If we know how to navigate Google Maps, Google knows. So what has the internet done? What's the internet done? 
And yes, this is the Ben Appleby stump speech. I get it. But we got to have an awareness. Remember, this morning is just about moving one step further into awareness of how we fly around and we have all these unconscious expectations and all these unconscious processes that we take for granted. And one of the things that the internet has produced is this amazing spirit of grandiosity. Everyone say grandiosity. Grandiosity. We just think we're so grandiose. If we can know all this stuff in a pretty quick speed, then maybe we are closer to God than we ever thought. You ever kind of just think that a little bit? Maybe we are a little closer to God. That word grandiosity, we don't use it because it's really weird, but some synonyms are superiority, pompous. We would never use that to describe ourselves. I wouldn't. Impressive, maybe. Yeah, I think I'm pretty impressive for how smart I can be and how much I can know. This speed at which we fly, you guys, and we're pretty much never really stopped. Yeah, there's circumstances. Yeah, even COVID. Yeah, even finances. Yeah, even car trouble. You know, those are little bumps. But at this time in society, in the way technology has brought us along, we can pretty much cruise along our entire lifespan without ever a hiccup. And pretty soon, what does that lead you to think? That you're a little piece of God on the earth. You're, you're God's gift to man on the earth. It leads to the spirit of grandiosity. And the second thing, more simply put, that it leads to is a lack of trust. Because if you don't have to lean on God for information, if you don't have to lean on God for what's next, you'll cease believing God. You'll cease leaning on God. Trusting God when we can get a handle on it ourselves with our own power, our own control. What if waiting, you guys, if waiting is a gift, it's a free gift, extended, freely given. What's the purpose? What's the early purpose of waiting? And why, how could it be a gift, Ben? What if it was meant for our inner transformation? What, was it, what if it was meant for our strength? That's what we're going to see right here in the next response. So jump down to verse 36, Luke chapter 1, 36. And yes, we're back on Mary, the beloved and wonderful mother of Jesus. And look what she says as the angel is still speaking here. In verse 36, the angel says, Look, your relative Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son in her old age. Listen to this line. This just jumped out at me. It wasn't even in my notes this morning, but it just hit me like a load of bricks. This is a line. This is for you, for your prayer requests right now. Those who have stopped believing, stopped trusting, stopped asking that same prayer. Listen to what God does. Although she was called barren, she is now called six months pregnant. That's for someone right now this morning. That's for someone right now. Maybe for you, it's a specific prayer about barrenness and having kids. But, but more than likely, it's about what, something else that you're praying for and that you're having a crisis of faith, a crisis of belief, because you're just feeling barren. You're feeling shame. You're feeling worried. You're feeling filled with fear, anxiety, depression, and you're calling yourself those things. Or maybe it's the things that someone else in your life has called you, and you're calling yourself, quote-unquote, barren. What does God do? He calls you Six months pregnant. He calls you all things are possible. He calls you beloved. He calls you forgiven. He calls you freed. He calls you anointed. He calls you commissioned. He says, I have a place for you. I have a purpose for you on this earth. That's what happens in God's economy. That's just an extra. that just jumped out of the text this morning that I had to acknowledge. And I think that's for someone this morning. Here's the punchline. Remember, when God says, wait, Mary has a different kind of response. What's the very first word out of her mouth? Yes. Everybody say, yes. Yes. Everybody say, yes. Yes. 
That's the password for access to God. That's the, that's the entryway for more grace and for li- more life in the kingdom. Instead of how, that was the very first word. That was the first word that came out of Zach's mouth was how, and Mary leads with yes. And it allows all these other things to be possible because she's willing and able to start with yes. And she says she has even more to say. It's loaded. One short sentence changes the world. I am your servant, Lord. I am a servant of the Lord. Let this happen to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Man, if anyone, (laughs) if anyone had reason to scream at God with questions, to shake their fists at God for answers, it was the person who was just told that you're going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit, okay, whatever that means. That you're going to carry the Jewish Messiah, the Savior of the world. Oh, oh, we'll just go with that. Yes, she says. If anyone had reason to question and to demand answers, it was Mary. And yet she says, your will be done, God. I am your servant. Man, one single line. If there's one line that pops out from Zechariah's response, how will this be done? How will I know? Conversely, there's one line. When God asks you to wait, there's a response embodied in, in, in Mary's whole two sentences. There's one big idea, and it's this idea of a maidservant. You see the text, the verse there that says servant has been changed in our modern contemporary English Bibles because it used to say slave. And of course, in light of American historical terms, that became an unsavory term, and we, we misunderstood it and we mistook it. And so the contemporary writers, translators of the Bible just put servant. But it doesn't capture the entire concept of being a willing, a voluntary slave for God and Jesus and his purposes in the world. And that's what Mary does. She says, I'm your bondservant. That's the old biblical term from the Greek. I'm your bondservant. I'm your slave. Whatever your will be done, God. I lay my face on the ground and I say, let your will be done. Let it pour over me. Dominate me. That's what that word is. That's what it means. That's what it entails. You're asking me to wait, to believe that, that this baby inside me will be conceived and it will be Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah. Then I, then, then I just let your, your will be poured over me. Dominate me with your will, God. That is Mary's response to waiting. So I've given you two responses. One of them is the how, what, why, where, when, the knowledge, our quest for knowledge, our thirst, our insatiable thirst for knowledge. And the other one is this posture that says, I'm your servant anyway. I was put on this earth for your purposes anyway. It's not for me to know and understand them all, but I'm here for you. And I, I've tried my will. Have, any, have you guys tried your will? Have you tried your way of doing it? And I've tried that, Lord. Even Mary is maybe a late teen, early 20-something. Even she had the, the faith and the belief and the understanding. God had given her the wisdom to understand, my way is not the best. But your will, God, be done. However you see fit. She didn't say how. She said, however you see fit. I want to wind down with this idea here. I love giving a, every now and then in a message, I want to give you a diagnostic. I love those. You know, they use it in medicine. You have all these diagnostics to find out what's wrong with you, what's right with you. And we can do a spiritual one too. How many of us here take ourselves? We think ourselves a mature Christian. Yeah, well, there's lots of us. We've done this for a while. We've been walking with the Lord for not just two years, maybe some of us, one or two years, and God bless you and keep you. But most of us, because we have an awareness of who our people are as a small to medium-sized family church, we've been doing this thing for 5, 10, 
15, 20, 30, 30, 40 plus years we've been doing this thing, walking with the Lord. Yeah, it's true. We count ourselves a pretty legit Christian at this point. Well, let me ask you a question, okay? Just as a, by way of a diagnostic, I want you to, right now in your mind's eye, I want you to look back on the last time God asked you to wait. And what was your response? <laughs> I'm speaking from experience, and that's why I'm laughing. God asked you to wait, even for a minute, even in traffic. And what was your response? Did, did, you, did you roll around on the floor like a cranky baby? Or did you do what Mary did? And you say, you know what? I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know when. But yeah, God, go for it. My life is yours. Take it. I'll give you an example, a quick story. Um, somehow in the last two years, me and my wife, my parents, and uh, my in-laws were found, all found ourselves in a house build project. Like most of them, all three of them were pretty significant, like almost complete uh, knockdowns and startovers. And uh, that, as complex as anyone who's ever remotely had, like maybe their bathroom done or heard of a friend who's had their bathroom done, there's infinite complexities. You tear into a wall and you got some headaches. I mean, just right away, there's going to be some problems. And I have full authority and full confidence to speak on behalf of my mother-in-law who's out there and my parents and me. How did we respond to God's request to wait for your house to be finished? Like cranky babies, okay? That's what we were. No, I don't want to do it that way. I want it done on my time and my way right now. I want to be comfortable. I want to be back in my little man cave. I want to be back in my master bedroom. I want what I want, and I want it now, Daddy. Quote from one of my favorite movies ever. I want it, and I want it now. Now, maybe for you, that's not as relevant because you, you, know, you didn't have to go through a, a big house project. Maybe you've had other big things in your life. You know, what about the minor issues? Like I said, waiting in a car, sitting in traffic, waiting for your kids to tie their shoes. Ooh, I can't wait. I just want to get up and go. I'm just going to leave them. I just, I just go. I just walk away. I can't even wait anymore. You're asking me to do 30 seconds while they tie their shoes? I can't do that, God. All of these small moments, do we kick and scream like toddlers? Or do we say like the psalmist says in Psalm 135, take this, memorize this, embrace this, use it. An hour after service is over. Use this when God calls you to wait. Waiting on the phone. When God calls you to wait, the psalmist says, my soul will learn to wait on the Lord. Repeat after me. My soul will learn to wait on the Lord. My soul will learn to wait on the Lord. There's this picture as I did a minor deep dive on this word, uh, the Hebrew word, because the Psalms were written in that language. The, the Hebrew word for waiting in that context is kavah. Everyone say kavah. Kavah, that's good. And, and you guys from the band, you can come up right now because we're going to wind it down. But as I did this deep dive search on kavah, there's this beautiful understanding of what it means to really wait, to twist, to stretch. <laughs> the tension of enduring, does that sound fun? Does that sound like something you want to sign up for? See, it's one thing when we say waiting, but then we say twist and stretch. And then as I went deeper into this word, the original kavah, to be strong, to grow in strength like a strand of rope, the Syriac, which is a different language, to remain away, threads, a strong thread. And it said right there in the dictionary entry, like a spider's thread. And I just thought, oh, wow, that's it. That's everything. That's waiting. Big or small, that's waiting. You guys know, science pop quiz. 
you kids who are maybe half in, half out, I don't know how many of you are listening. How strong is a spider's web? You guys know how strong a spider's web is? I, I had to be reminded. I know we all know it's like strong. But then I just did a quick Google search, of course. And, and, and it says right there at the beginning, it says five times the strength of steel. Five times the strength of steel. It even creates this little graphic picture that if, it, if, a, if a web was meant to be like the size of the sky, it would rip apart a jetliner, just destroy it. Well, because it's five times the strength of steel. That's, that's crazy. You take a shot of steel to the dome and that'd be enough to knock you down, lay you flat and humble you pretty well. But now this thing is five times the strength of steel. What's God doing in the waiting, everybody? What's God doing in the waiting? What's he doing? Come on, let's get some heads nodding. He's, he's making us so, 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 so strong. He's making us so strong. And then I found deeper as I looked on this little Google search that they had done some recent research the last couple of years and the research of the scientists, the, the, the natural scientists confirmed a theory they had for years and it was this, that every single strand of spider web is comprised of thousands of nanostrands built Ford tough. I'm telling you, so aggressively strong. What does nanostrands sound like? Yeah, maybe you haven't faced this cataclysmic stopping or waiting or in between, though I think all of us have in the last nine, 10 months. But if God's not just using pandemic as this wait on me and watch my glorious purposes be revealed, then he's using for sure the nanostrand moments of waiting every single day that we think are throwaways. We are trained and indoctrinated and enculturated every day to treat the tying of the shoes as a throwaway. I'm preaching to myself. That's why I'm yelling. Ben, come on. Yeah, your kid is taking their sweet time. It's to make you so, 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 so strong. Like spider's web. Five times steel. That's crazy. Are these gifts meant to transform us? To make us strong in our relationships, to make us strong in our words, to make us strong in our feelings. You know, we're such mature Christian believers. Why are our feelings so unbridled? They're all over the place. We're so emotional. The person who learns to wait on the Lord learns to be still in his presence. No matter what circumstance, no matter what trial, no matter what global pandemic comes next, we're able to be steadfast and still before the Lord. Do you think it felt like a global pandemic for Mary, her world being churned upside down? And she says, I am your servant. I am your servant. I am your servant. May it be as you said it will be. Your will be done. Because I know I'm going to be stronger for it, God. I know I'm going to be stronger for it. We were reading this kid's book. We just finished it. It was a saga. I read to my kids mostly every night. And we read this great, great book. You guys should get it for your young kids. If they can't read yet, and they'll listen to you. The Wing Feather Saga. The Wing Feather Saga. And the last book culminates with this unbelievable sacrificial moment. A life given for many lives. <laughs> it's the greatest story ever told, isn't it? It's the story of the Messiah. Every time you watch a movie, every time you read a book and someone has to give up their life for someone else, where, are they, where did they get that idea from? The greatest story ever told. The Messiah who came to lay his life down for many. 
And in this story, the boy loses his life and his mom comes running to his body, his lifeless body, and she's weeping. And I was so moved. I got emotional reading the chapter because all I could think about was Mary running to the feet of her son as he's hung up on the cross. Can you imagine for a second what it would have been like for the mother to see her son in that disposition? How could she have been prepared for that moment, you guys? I could never be prepared. (laughs) I could never be prepared to see one of my sons in that moment. The only thing that I'm afraid of, something might happen to my kids. How was Mary able to do that? She had 30 more years of training. She had 30 more years. She started with nine months. It started with a nano strand. It started with nine months of waiting on this baby to come to life. And then another 30 plus years of waiting on the Lord. The only way she's able to sit at the feet of her son strung up on a cross, bleeding out for all of us. The only way she's able to do that is the strength that she gathered in the waiting. Every day and every year as her son marched closer to the cross. And I know that I know that I know God's calling us, a generation, to learn to open these gifts, to open these practices, to not look past waiting. Whatever season God has you in, please be there and know that he's in the waiting. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident that he has you stuck in between two things, that you're sitting there unknowing. You sit in this, what the great church fathers called holy unknowing. It's not a mistake. He's doing his most amazing work to make you five times steal. So can we pray for one another? Let's just do that right now. Because I need it. (laughs) I need prayers for patience in the waiting. I need prayer to be able to wait on God and stop rushing from one thing to the next, missing what God has for me in the meantime. So let's pray for one another. The person sitting next to you, just put your hand on their shoulder. Put a hand out. Pray for me. I'll pray for you right now. Let's pray. Jesus, this is a challenging truth. They don't know how to stomach it, Jesus. I don't know how to wait on you very well. And I fancy myself a mature Christian. I need your grace to open this gift of waiting right now, this afternoon, tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next. I want to experience your grace. I want to walk in your kingdom and your presence forever. And I know that waiting is going to be one of the ways to unlock that, to open that gift. I pray for these people here this morning, online and in person. Give them the patience and grace and faith. Restore our trust, God. Our trust has been decimated by the idols of knowledge, by the idols of information, by the idols of the speeds of technology. Our our hearts and our belief and our faith have been decimated, God. Rebuild our trust to lean on you in the waiting for every man, woman, and child here this morning, online and in person. Thank you, Jesus. Create a generation that knows how to wait on you so that we can have the faith and the belief and the subservient will that Mary had. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.